right, it's me. Welcome to All Things Billy, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Anthony Judasissi. Thank you for joining me for yet another episode. We've got a great one for you tonight. Interview with my buddy Brandon Dixon. Brandon runs the most dangerous street in America tour in Lincoln, New Mexico. He's a historian of the town. The guy has uh, lived and breathed Lincoln for almost all of his life. And uh, there's not too many things about Lincoln that he doesn't know. So we're going to talk to him about that. We're going to talk to him about being a character in uh, one of my books, One Week in Lincoln, and what he thought about that. And uh, we'll get his thoughts on Billy, Brushy, Miller, or somebody else uh, before we're all done today. But before we start, I'd like to let you know you can take part in the show. Two easy ways. You can email us at billythekidridesagain at gmail.com. That's billythekidridesagain at gmail.com. Or you can find the show on Twitter at btkrides, R-I-D-E-S, at btkrides. You can leave a message there. You can comment, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what you have to say. Um, I don't want to take up too much time, so without further ado, let's get to Brandon. All right, so today we have a very special guest with us. We have Mr. Brandon Dixon. Brandon runs the Deadliest Street in America tour in Lincoln, New Mexico. He also runs the Billy the Kid, the Lincoln County Wars and More Facebook group, 3,700 Billy the Kid fanatics in that. And Brandon does a great job of providing a lot of historical research. And on top of that, he's one of the founding members of Billy the Kid's Historical Coalition. It's all things Billy, I guess, uh, which is why we're here. So, Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you for having me, man. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, so there's there's been a question burning on my mind ever since I first went to Lincoln, and you might be the guy to answer it. If we got transported back to 1878 right now, and we had been in Lincoln in modern day, how much of it would look familiar? Like, how much has changed over that period of time? You'd be surprised how much is still the same, uh, with the exception of the roofs. Uh, back back in the 70s, 1870s, all the roofs would have been flat. Uh, now everything's got the slanted roofs that we're all familiar with. But if you look around the town now, you walk around and imagine it with flat roofs, you'd have a really good view all the way across that whole little valley. But it would look very similar. Many of the same structures are still there uh, you know, from, of course, the courthouse that we know from Billy the Kid's last escape, all the way down to the Ellis store on the far end of town, all the structures in between, and especially the Torreon, the Torreon, which has been there from the beginning, has not really changed. So that's uh, that's kind of fascinating. So we wouldn't be completely out of place. We'd at least be able to navigate <laughs> our way through there. Absolutely. I, I saw a picture somewhere. I think it was legit, but I'm not sure. And it showed, uh, you know, the main, the only street, I guess, of Lincoln uh, back probably turn of the century. And it looked like the dirt road was kind of, kind of had some rolling hills and stuff in it, which is not the way it was today. Am I remembering something wrong or was the topography not just completely dead flat like it is now? Um, As far as, as far as the street goes, I mean, it was pretty worn down, but I mean, it was never really leveled out until, 
bigger forces came in and decided that Lincoln would have a highway running through it. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just worn down through traffic. So I'm sure it wasn't completely flat. And if you've ever seen like the show Deadwood and looked at their street, Lincoln Street would have looked a lot like that with the mud and the sludge all down <laughs> it. Not level, and not fun traffic. Uh, as as Sheriff Brady found out uh, in his last moments. Yeah, he certainly did uh, about that. So, so the good thing is that um, if we were magically transported back in time, we'd at least know some of the buildings and we'll get into which ones uh, those are. Um, w- right now, Lincoln, seem, there's, there's a lot of space between the buildings. It's not the typical old West town that people are used to from the movies with the, you know, the false fronted wood buildings and the extended <laughs> wood sidewalks. So uh, were there... Was Lincoln more crowded, more populated back then? And would it seem more uh, more, more busy if we were back in 1878? So it's definitely more populated then than it is today. Uh, and the houses would have been spread out. Uh, there's a good example behind the visitor center today when you're there. They have a little jacal. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that word. But these little makeshift kind of hut houses, kind of shotgun one roomy houses that everybody kind of built until into the 1870s as the money kind of started to flow in. Then you started to see more adobe structures uh, coming up. They would have been scattered throughout town uh, towards the original courthouse and back towards the direction of the original cemetery, which is a convento towards the east or not the convento, excuse me, the Capo Santo. Uh, All that east end of town there uh, would have had lots of little houses scattered throughout, several brothels, surprisingly, in the small town. Mm. Uh, It it definitely would have been a lot more uh, full of life than it is today. If you you subtract the giant 18-wheelers that (laughs) blast by and blow people's cowboy hats off as they're trying to enjoy their, their day in Lincoln. Sure. So brothels, uh, I've been, uh, you know, kind of a fan and student of the Billy the Kid story since, uh, gosh, you know, young guns. Um, I don't think I've ever heard of a brothel in Lincoln, although it's not surprising. Why, uh, why, why have we not heard more about that? Were they still around at the time of the Lincoln County War? Uh, absolutely. Uh, they weren't, they weren't the kind of like, brothels that we would think of you know with like a big mcdonald's sign outside you know (laughs) saying like hog ranch you know 50 billion serve they were more uh smaller operations and with the the size of the town not being completely that big you know talking a couple of hundred at most but you have a lot of cowboys and soldiers and everything coming in and a lot of commerce is coming through there so you have people traveling through so there's definitely a market for strangers uh, however, there's also a market for people who live in town that might be your sister-in-law. You know, her mm-hmm. husband may have maybe visiting or, you know, somebody's husband from across town, the rich and more wealthy people, you might say. Uh, as a matter of fact, the neighbor of Susan McSween, a guy by the name of Huff, uh, of course, Miss McSween claimed that he had been killed because of his attentions to her. But it was actually because he had quite an addiction to the brothels in town and his wife had 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 enough and she poisoned him wow. and ended his ended his brothel visits. So there, yeah, she sure was, did once and for all. There were several. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, uh, 
the McSween's uh, first major employee, a guy by the name of Archuleto, uh, was killed at a brothel there with some guys from out of town. Uh, and they had an argument over the lady who was working there and promptly killed McSween's favorite employee. Wow. So well, there you brothels is pretty common there, too. There you have it, folks. The the secret sordid past of Lincoln, even more than we knew. Uh, so, Brandon, which buildings today? I, I if you if people have been to Lincoln, they probably know the official monument buildings. But which buildings today were standing during the height of the Lincoln County War that are still there? Okay, during the height of the Lincoln County War, uh, if you want to start at like the east end of town, you want to start at the Ellis Store, <laughs> which. Uh, I believe they're reopening as a bed and breakfast. I sure hope so, because that's a great place to stay. Uh, that would have been a regulator stronghold as they came in from San Patricio. That would have been one of the first stops. That was also a, a friendly family for their uh, resupply once the Tunstall store kind of started running out of goods. That was also a safe kind of place to store your horses. The corral is still there today. As a matter of fact, it's a stone building. You have to walk a little ways down the driveway and hopefully not get shot at for trespassing. But you can see a little stone structure back there. And that's actually where uh, the kid and Tom fired and everybody would store their horses uh, when they came in. So you move, you know, from the Ellis store, you keep coming in. You're going to see the Montano store, the Casa de Patron. Now I think it's having bed and breakfast. You may can stay there, Uh, but the Patron house is there. The Montano store, uh, you, you keep coming down past the visitor center, of course, the Torreon, you're going to recognize across the street, the original courthouse. All these things are going to be key places during the Lincoln County War. And of course, just next door to the, Tunstall, uh, to the uh, Torreon, it's going to be the Tunstall store. Uh, big center of controversy in the skirmish. And next to it, of course, is the empty lot, which now has a building kind of situated on part of it, uh, where the McSween house was. And the big climax to the Lincoln County War was right there. Uh, And then you can keep going a little ways further. And of course, there's the famous Wortley Hotel, which is where Dolan and Jesse Evans kind of hunkered down during the five-day battle. They were both not in the best of fighting conditions, so they hunkered down at a little more comfortable of a location there at the Wortley and across the street from the Wortley, of course, is the big, the big store, the big house, the Murphy Dolan store, the courthouse, as we call it. Now we know, you know, this is the Lincoln County courthouse where the kid made his last escape, but all these structures were key during the fighting, especially of the five day battle. But all throughout the war, these structures are the site of different firefights or, harsh words, key events, lots of things like that. Got it. Thank you. So there's actually quite a bit of uh, just outside of the monument buildings in the museum. There, there are quite a few structures that date back to that time. So yes, sir. Uh, one of the things when people uh, will go to the Tunstall store, they'll invariably see that little alleyway to the uh, to the east and they'll walk back there and they'll see a couple crosses uh, for uh, the graves of Alexander McSween and John Tunstall. But what I hear is the guys are not actually buried uh, under those crosses. Is that true? That's correct. They're not buried there. <clears throat> uh, it, it's a good thing that we have those markers. Uh, there should be more markers because there's a lot more people buried back there. Uh, at the actual cemetery where they're buried has 
about a dozen people buried in it, including a few uh, small children. That was part of Alexander McSween's original purchase of property that he had planned on building Lincoln as a town in his vision. And so he was going to put a church and a cemetery and a school all right there. Unfortunately, the first thing that was built was the cemetery, which was basically just a hole in the ground where they started dumping the victims of the Tunstall-McSween side on the Lincoln County War. Uh, so Tunstall is buried back there. McSween is buried back there. A guy who was killed with McSween, uh, Harvey Morris, mm -hmm. he's buried back there. Uh, Regulator Frank McNabb is buried back there. Uh, Daniel Huff, the guy who was poisoned for his brothel addiction, also buried back there. Uh, there's several people buried, but it's just... If you were to walk back there and you want to envision in your head where it's located, it's going to be on the private property next door. And again, you're trespassing at your own risk. Uh, so I would recommend staying on the state property, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, but as you walk back down that alley, which is exactly where the regulators stood when they shot Sheriff Brady, as you're walking right past that and you see those markers and they're coming into view off to about your one o'clock is a is a little building in a gas tank that's on private property. Uh, there's about a dozen graves buried in that area right there. Wow. And all so, of them remain unmarked. Way more than just the two, you know, uh, kind of uh, highlighted guys from the Lincoln County War. That's really interesting. Yes, sir. Um, and no one would have known. So uh, will those graves ever be marked? Does the property owner have any interest in seeing that happen? Or are they just willing to let sleeping dogs lie um you know i i can only give you anecdotal stories that i've heard about uh, different property owners i don't know if it's the current property owner i know that whoever's on there right now is not particularly fond of people poking around over there sure. and as far as i know there's no plans for that so hopefully maybe the next generation of uh, billy the kid explorers can get that marked or at least maybe we could get markers next to the Tunstall and McSween graves acknowledging the people who were buried over there. Yeah so uh, I remember my first time uh, driving into Lincoln I had flown to Albuquerque put up for the night got uh, altitude sickness by going up on the tram I'd never been above sea level in my life. Right it uh, sneaks up then, on you. <laughs> yeah and then I drove down to Lincoln in that first moment you know you come around there's that big rock with all the all the spray painted names and stuff. And then you kind of come right. around the turn and then, and then Lincoln's right there. And I had spent, you know, uh, the years watching the young guns films and reading the books and all those things. But then all of a sudden you're there. It's kind of magical, especially that first time. Is it still Absolutely. that way for you when you go there or, or, or is it so passe because you're there all the time and you don't even care? Full disclosure, man, I am in awe, like the nerdiest eight-year-old at Toys R Us <laughs> every time I make that turn. When I see that sign that says Lincoln Historic District, yeah, my heart just starts racing. I, it's, it's, you know, and then you pull in and you see the courthouse is one of the first things you see. And you're like, it, it happened right there. And I'm probably a special breed of nerd, but man, it is magical because you step out and you can, it's almost tangible. When you get out there, you can, especially if you're there right as everything is closing and the tourists are kind of leaving town and you've got the entire place to yourself, you can almost feel those guys walking past you. You know, it doesn't take much to just close your eyes and see it all right there. 
Yeah, it's a very, very special experience for anyone that has never been, if you get the chance. Um, it's, it's, uh, I think it's kind of like giving somebody their first beer or their first, whatever else they love, like you get one and, and <laughs> right. you just, you just want more and more. Um, so why is it we're, we're a hundred and gosh, I don't know, uh, 43, 44 years away from the Lincoln County war that, you know, really kind of tore the, the soul of Lincoln <laughs> County there in half. Why is it that you think Billy, the kid, especially still fascinates people? Like what, what is it about this, you know, young outlaw that that people are still still talking about like we are well i mean he's he's the ultimate bad boy right but he's the good bad boy he's the bad boy we can get behind right you can justify anything bad he does because he had a reason and i think whatever generation comes along they can make that fit for their situation and he's just a perfect guy and it makes him timeless because he's Always, you know, he's perpetually fighting against the, the oppressor or, you know, just trying to avenge his buddy. It's that narrative has been so turned into a collective memory, thanks to young guns, uh, that, you know, he's always that kid laughing and shooting his guns and riding away, you know, just getting into trouble. We're like, we can think of other old West criminals like John Wesley Harden and go, man, that guy was cold blooded. Or you think of Jesse James, you think, okay, you know, the war was over. You could have calmed down. But but with the kid, we always want him riding off into that sunset. You know, you, you, you still want to cling to it. That's why so many people, as you know, are still into Brushy Bill and every other possibility that could be. Like the movie Old Henry, you just want him to have gotten away just somehow, you know. We'll talk more about Brushy and uh, some of the other guys in in a bit. Um, how did your interest with Billy the Kid start, and when did it start? Um, you know, we my family was traveling from El Paso somewhere when I was younger. I think maybe ten or eleven, and we stopped in Tinney, New Mexico, at that uh, little restaurant thing there. And at the time, there was a gift shop. And I had told the lady at the gift shop that I had read the Time Life book, The Gunfighters. And I, you know, of course, I thought I was an expert. <laughs> and she was giggling. And at the time, they were the people who, I guess, owned the Ellis store. I don't know what their whole story was, but she took down my address. And in some random act of angelic kindness, mailed me like five Billy the Kid books. Oh, wow. And I read those things like I was a religious scholar. And... That just from and of course, Young Guns came out not long after that. Everybody that's gassed to the fire for their Billy the Kid nerdery, mm-hmm. and I was they just sucked me right on in after that. Did you ever get to thank that woman? Did you ever see her again? Uh, ironically enough, my folks saw her years later and were able to thank her because I, in a weird twist of weirdness as a young 15 year old bus boy i used to save my money to fill up my volkswagen gas tank to drive to lincoln from rudoso to lincoln and i had won this scavenger hunt contest that they had probably only one time ever and i got there and won this contest and it was for a bed and breakfast and a five-star meal at the ellis store well i was a 15 year old so who needs that when you're 15 I gave that to my parents and of course they went and just so happens that the other people eat at the same time. 
was that same lady and her husband. So they were able to pass pass a thank you along us. That's very cool. Small world. Small world. Yeah, and it came full circle there. So you run the deadliest street in America tour in Lincoln. Obviously, you're the guy that knows. I mean, you're you're you and Drew Gomber. I mean, you you guys are the are at the the top of the pyramid as far as knowledge of Lincoln. Tell us a little bit more about the tour. Like, what? How long does it take? Where do you take? Where do you take people? How many people can go? Give us the the download. Uh, I take groups, uh, usually up to 15 or so. I mean, I'm flexible if it's a, if it's a family gathering, uh, tours this past summer, we're running about an hour and a half, 90 minutes in that, in that range. Uh, but I think this year we're going to expand it a little bit and we're going to not only focus on the most dangerous street in America, but we're going to focus on the three escapes of Billy the Kid. So it'll expand a little bit this year. So I'm, I would say about two hours is what a typical tour is going to take. Of course, I, I do individual tours that can take all day. We could go to different sites uh, in the area that are pertinent to the Lincoln County War. Um, the, the tour, you know, it's the most dangerous street tour in America. We, of course, talk about Lincoln's only street, which, you know, had 44 shootings, six lynchings, two stabbings. A poisoning, you know, and a partridge in a pear tree almost even had a man hung twice all on that same street. So there's plenty to talk about besides Billy the Kid. Uh, But of course, he is he is our main draw. He's why we're all there. So when people come to Lincoln for the first time and take your tour, and I'm sure you get a lot of those folks, um, what's the most common misconception that they bring with them about Lincoln or about Billy or about the Lincoln County War? Um, I'd say that, uh, most people, they envision that everything happened either the way it, it did in young guns or in Chisholm. It depends on how old they are. <laughs> so they, they want the story to fit that so badly. Uh, even, even to the point where they'll just try and push that it's a combination of young guns and Chisholm, right? Right. That, you know, cause that's the answer they want. They, they have these. Uh, visions of Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid skipping through town, being all buddy buddy, and then in it, like a soap opera dramatic moment, Garrett betrays Billy, and everyone's just in awe. They they need a bad guy to be against Billy almost. Mm-hmm. So you get a, you get a lot of you know Pat Garrett was a Judas, or of course you get a lot of the brushy Bill. Uh, but we do get probably about. I'd say 20% of the people are are people who have just read the books and then they it's fresh in their minds so they come and they and they're really active in their questions and those are the most fun because then you get to get into the side stories which I find the most entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um so does anybody come in and go hey wait a minute this doesn't look like Lincoln <laughs> like I imagined it to from the movies because really I I can't remember a film where Lincoln has been portrayed as it looks, because there's really not a movie set that looks like that. So does that come up a lot? It it does. People are surprised. They're surprised at how close things are, which makes you appreciate that a gun battle there would have been a little uncomfortable if you weren't participating, at least. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's tight. Um, We do get a lot of surprise reaction, but to, to Young Gun's credit, I may knock it a bit, but they did really try with their scenery. Uh, and 
their opening shot of Lincoln is probably as close as you'll ever get to something similar. Mm-hmm. But it's Lincoln is hard to recreate, especially, you know, because those hill that the hills on the one side kind of tuck you in and protect everything. And they're right up close. And then, of course, the other side, you've got the river. So it's hard to duplicate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, cool. So talking about uh, young guns and people's misconceptions, you wound up as a character in one of my books. Um, yes, uh, a book now, which I thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, now, I, I really didn't have to utilize a lot of imagination. Your character was Brandon, the tour guide. So it wasn't <laughs> like I had to create some dramatic backstory or something from you. But I remember when I talked to you initially and said, hey, first of all, would you let me do this? And the book is called One Week in Lincoln. Um, you said, yeah, whatever you need, you know, by all means. And I sent you a couple of clips. But one of the things that I wanted to, you know, I wanted to inject a little bit of humor into it. And I asked you, like, what are the what are the things that people say about young guns? And so you you, you gave me a couple. But so what are the most common? Hey, young guns said this. So you must be wrong, Brandon, type things that you hear on the tour. Besides yeah, the Pat well, Garrett kind of things. Besides besides Pat Garrett and Billy were friends. Uh, there's Brushy Bill will have to be number two. Of course, you know. The question they just want people want to hear the answer that they want to hear and it really it's it's tough to watch the disappointment on their face when you tell them that no billy the kid actually was killed in fort sumner uh that's that's a popular one and then they want to talk about the different regulators of course uh dirty steve is a popular character even though we don't have a ton of information on him people want to know about him uh, they want to know about uh, of course, Doc Scurlock's Asian wife, which never happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a lot of those common questions have just become, Young Guns has just become the collective memory. So basically, most of the time when you start the tour, you have to open up and just debunk Young Guns from the beginning. All questions, so- I would say, are, are directly <laughs> related two young guns almost yeah otherwise you'd have people that would keep i would imagine keep pushing you off track during the whole of the tour right well surprisingly the military in me comes out and uh no no one is able to hijack the tour too badly (laughs) of of course of course they are the ones paying for the tour so i'm happy to accommodate uh, within sanity's limits (laughs) <laughs> so uh so i had a character in the book that was attempting to do just that to you uh in a good-natured way lily yes. Peebs, and she she was really into young guns that's everything she knew about billy the kids so she kept she kept questioning you so I, i'm curious what was it like because i only sent you a few little uh maybe a paragraph here or there of what i wrote but you you had a, a much bigger part in the in the book, what was it like reading about yourself? Did you go, oh, this is an interesting character? Or did you go, hey, that is, I could see myself doing that? Uh, it was it was eerily accurate. Uh, like I told my old lady, I, I said, he must have had somebody do research on me personally and go through the tour because almost from my reaction to the questions that <laughs> Willie Teebs was asking, it was almost a word for word transcript from a some of my tours I do pretty often. It was really? very, I, yeah, yeah. It was creepy. Did you did you stalk me? I didn't actually. No, not at all. So I, I what I had done is sent you a couple of paragraphs. I remember that and just said, hey, here's where it's going. If you 
I mean, if this is like way off, just let me know. And to your credit, you said, no, man, just, you know, do whatever you got to do. Yeah. And then I just stopped. I didn't want to give you any more because I wanted to, you know, I wanted it to be a surprise. So I, I think maybe I got lucky or channeled some of your spirit or I don't know, maybe, maybe you were dead teams. on, man. <laughs> That's great. Well, well, thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So now, here's the thing that people uh, want to know and they, they talk to me, is there any, well, aside from, did Billy die in Fort Sumner, right? We'll leave that as the big question mark. But is are there any big discoveries yet to find out about the kid? I mean, we're 140 plus years on. There's hundreds of books, gosh, maybe thousands of books. There's, you know, researchers, scholars, historians. Like, is, is there some big, oh my gosh, discovery still out there? Or, or do we know pretty much all we're going to know? You know, there is some stuff still to be uh, some jaw dropping stuff still to be found. Uh, I mean, right now there's a, I think the guy's last name is Smith, if I'm correct. And I'll, I'll get back to you to make sure that's the right name, but he's got pretty good evidence that Billy, the kid was way younger than the 21 years old that we famously think of. Uh, there's, there's pretty good and, pretty overwhelming evidence that in fact when when they shot sheriff brady that he was almost 16 he was right on the verge of 16 years old right at that point so uh, that would have been so, 1878 right april of 1878 yeah. and that would have made him only 19 years old in yes sir 1881 wow which is a a big deal if you think about it and also would explain why he sticks out as the kid when there was a ton of other guys going by alias the kid at that point in time, why he would stick out in particular and not be called Bobby the kid or Johnny the kid or kid ace or whatever, you know, he was simply called the kid. That's how they referred to him. <laughs> so, so is that, that do we have some sense to... of when we might find that out for sure? Uh, I don't know. I know there's uh, some stuff supposed to be coming out in the Tombstone Epitaph, and I, I don't want to spoil too much of what the, this other researcher has been working on. Sure. But it should be. I don't know if he's got a book in progress or if maybe it's something for a magazine, but I'll, I'll get back to you because it's yeah. definitely – it's definitely that's – a, that's a jaw dropper. That changes a lot of things. And then there's still – there's missing time periods in the kid's life that we don't know about. Uh, and then there's a ton of there's really been limited archaeological research into some of these sites. There's a lot of stuff still to be found. Uh, and, you know, that that gives you hope that even the young people coming up that are reading stuff, maybe they can find something missing that we didn't even think about, which is always that's the stuff I like, too, is the stuff, the angles that people come at that we're not even thinking about. Like, for instance, Billy the Kid's age, you know, and finding the references for that as they're out there. That's cool. Well, it gives me some hope that uh, before I'm gone, maybe there will be, you know, something more exciting. Because, yeah. you know, you, you feel like when you read 20 or 25 books that all cover the same ground, um, that maybe that's it. But but maybe not. So, OK, well, so you there's know, a good in, question. Oh, go ahead, please. You know, in in those books. And what you start finding when you research them is that it boils down to a few sources and that the books branch off, you know, like a, a river and a stream that the books narrow down to those same few sources. 
But even now, today, if you look at those same sources, uh, simple words missing in paragraphs or a change of a sentence changes a complete narrative for an entire series of books. So it's still worth going back to the root sources and finding out because a lot of these stories have been condensed and repeated so that details are totally missed out on. So there's still lots of stuff to be found. Devil's in the details. That's interesting. Uh, and the reason that it strikes me so much right now is I've got a film coming out called 30 Seconds in Hell about the OK Corral gunfight. And, and one of the yeah. key pieces of testimony was uh, John Behan saying he went down to the to the uh, near the OK Corral to Fremont Street to disarm the cowboys. And the Earp said he told us he did disarm them, not he didn't go to disarm them. So really right. just the difference of one word is the kind of thing that, you know, so Behan says, I never told him I disarmed him. I said I went there for that purpose. And then uh, the the Earps say, no, no, he told us he did it. So what would be the sense of him if they didn't have any guns having to disarm them? So you're right. They're, the devil right. really is in the details. Yeah. There. So, okay, here's the big question. Yes, sir. Uh, Billy, Brushy, John Miller, or something else? What happened? Who, 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 and what happened at the end of Billy's life, and why? Well, if if I get to choose, I choose the old Henry movie. Uh, <laughs> that was a that was a refreshing take, and then he still gets away. Uh, I of course wish he had gotten away, but he he just didn't. He just didn't. It's hard to you can't keep a secret in New Mexico anywhere. <laughs> let alone an entire town. That's that's pretty tough. Uh, but full disclosure, uh, for me in my mind, after he escapes from Lincoln and rides off, that's where I like the story to end. Because mm -hmm. he just gets away and rides forever. But uh, and and to be fair, I have the Brushy Bill books. I have read them, and you know the nine-year-old boy in me really wants them to be true. And uh, Miller is certainly an interesting uh, individual as well, and the possible links to uh, Bowdry's wife and things like that. But the kid was unfortunately killed at Fort Sumner in 1881. And you do you, do you make that determination based upon? Is that just your feeling? Is that the evidence? Is that you know like like what's the what's the thing that tips it in that direction for you? It, it's just the. There's an overwhelming amount of evidence from people who saw the kid deceased uh, to the deputies who, as they aged, <laughs> uh, thought less and less of each other and began spilling different parts of the story uh, that weren't necessarily the main narrative that we all know and love. Uh, so I think the problem comes from the fact that Garrett just never told the truth about what happened. So that left enough room that the true story was never consistent enough that we have doubt. Uh, I sure wish he had made it. It would have been a really cool story. And Brushy Bill's story is fascinating. And if that was the kid, what a cool life that would have been. And what like irony of ironies for him to end up doing all that cool stuff. Uh, and then die only a few miles away from Doc Skurlock. Uh, but yeah, the evidence is just too much. And yeah, if it's my feeling, I wish he had made it, but you know, you just got to go with the evidence we have.
Got it. Okay, so one vote there for for Pat Garrett's story. Um, you are in. Uh, wait, not <laughs> for Garrett's story. Ah, for for. Uh, but Garrett for him being killed that night. Yes. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, good. Good to clear that up. So. Uh, you're one of the founding members of uh, Billy the Kids Historical Coalition, um, of which uh, I'm I'm on the board as well. Um, tell us a little bit more about it and why why you're involved and what the goal is, and you know w- why would people get involved in uh, an organization like that? Um, I got lucky enough to be asked to be involved, which has been a, a great thing. I think that we've we've got a, a bunch of stuff in the works, and I mean just from putting a grave marker on uh, Chavezzi Chavez's grave. That's a, that's a huge deal. Uh, I don't like unmarked graves. Some about that just sits, maybe it's a soldier in me. Uh, some about unmarked graves for people who fought bothers me. So the fact that that's uh, one of the things that the coalition has prioritized is uh, I think that's important. And it's a good way to preserve the history, uh, which is really the goal of the coalition is to protect and to preserve the history that's that's being lost. There's several sites now that are really in danger of just disappearing altogether, you know, and with this new generation, who knows if they'll ever be found again if we don't do something to protect them. Uh, so I think that's an important part of the coalition's purpose. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting group. It's a good group of guys, as you well know. I mean, very diverse, and uh, we got some smart guys on it and gals. Got some right. smart more folks on it yeah yeah um so if people can get involved uh how exactly so they can go to the website billy the kids historical coalition.com but can they donate can they join can they buy stuff like how, how do they help support the organization uh, you can go there i've go to the website where you can sign up uh i think they do donations as well if if you're interested uh we have memberships and of course there's merchandise but if you're just curious about getting involved and doing something just to get your foot in the door and getting involved with history, uh, I'd say this next year or two is a good time to get in on the ground floor with all the projects we have going. Uh, the momentum is going to build. So I would take advantage of getting in now. Uh, and it's, it's for folks who don't just want to sit on the sidelines and maybe just comment on a Facebook post or a, a picture Maybe they want to get involved. Uh, you know, there's investigations, there's going to the sites and, uh, you know, we have to find locations. Uh, there's research, you know, there's all sorts of things that go into all these projects that we have going. And it's a good way to hang out with other like-minded folks. You don't have to talk about politics. You can talk about politics in 1870s and that's something we can all agree to disagree <laughs> on. So, I mean, this really is you're going to you're going to get in there and get your hands dirty, almost literally, as as in when we laid this stone for Chavez, like you'll you'll be out there doing the work that'll last for generations. Absolutely. And whether I mean, you can participate from your living room, from your from your desk, all the way to going out there and getting mud on your boots and digging around in the dirt. There's lots of stuff, you know. Very cool. All right. So if people want to take the Deadliest Street in America tour, how do they do it, Brandon? Uh, you can email me at uh, most dangerous street tour in America at gmail.com. Or no, it's most dangerous street tours at gmail.com. I'll put and that then in the show can... notes just so people know. And then I'm on Facebook at most dangerous street tours. Same thing. 
most dangerous street tours. And people can join the Facebook group too, if they want. That's correct. Yeah. Billy, the kid, uh, Lincoln County war stories and more. I it used to have a much longer title, but you got to shrink it down. <laughs> Make it memorable. Anything uh, we That's missed right. in our conversation here? Uh, no, I just appreciate you talking about Lincoln and its history. It's a, uh, it's a town that is worth visiting. And like Billy the Kid said, over 200 men were killed during the Lincoln County War, and he didn't kill them all. So there's definitely <laughs> interesting stories there to find out for people. Definitely more than Billy the Kid. And uh, thanks, uh, Brandon. I hope to see you on a tour. I hope I get to go on one at some point uh, this summer. Thanks for joining us, and you have yourself a great day. All right. Hey, thank you. And thank you for letting me be on. Love the book, man. Look forward to talking to you again, brother. Thank you. Now, that's more about Lincoln than I ever knew. Wow, what a wealth of knowledge Brandon is. That was cool. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Well, hope you enjoyed the show. A couple things before we go. Of course, as noted, an email to uh, let us know what's on your mind. BillyTheKidRidesAgain at gmail.com. On Twitter, at BTKRides. Leave a message or tweet there. If you'd like to read the book One Week in Lincoln, I'll put the uh, website in the uh, show notes, uh, but you can find it at www.mankindpro.com, Mankind Productions, mankindpro.com, One Week in Lincoln, and that'll get you ready for the big final chapter in the Back to Billy saga, Four Empty Graves, which will be released late February, so if you'd like to read about Brandon, the, <laughs> the tour guide, the character, Steve from Capitan, uh... Sergio Bachaca, Carl Farber, Barton Teebs, Kevin Barrow, Tricia Davis, Billy the Kid, and more. Head on over to MankindPro.com and order One Week in Lincoln. All right, thanks for this one. We'll be back with another episode as soon as another episode makes itself known. Until then, keep on your Billy, all right? Later. Bye. When I see her smile in the sunlight And I lay with her on the last night When the morning flies, it's my time to die
stars And she 